Hey everybody, welcome back to The Producers. Uh, this week's episode, long-awaited Jonathan Nelson joins us on the show. Uh, it's a very fun one, very fun one. Uh, major apologies to <laughs> any uh, any Kiwis or Australians we offend <laughs> later on in this one. This is a fun one. Um, let's see, plugs. Uh, Nelson doesn't really have any social media, so we'll go into the regular plugs, which will uh, consist of... First plug, a timely plug. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, today, tonight is the uh, stand-up showcase at the Coalition Theater. Uh, your boy's doing a set there, and a lot of my friends are, so come check it out. Uh, a lot of fun shows at the Coalition Theater as well. Uh, RVAComedy.com, if you are unfamiliar, uh, check them out on all the social medias. RVA Comedy is the tag. Let's see. Um... Orbital Music Park. Uh, I keep plugging this, and I swear it's going to be good. It's going to be super worth uh, listening. We talk about it for such a long time. Uh, let's see. Who else do I normally plug? Uh, DJ Shkanoi, uh one of my best friends in the world. Uh, this is great. You can tell I put a lot of effort into planning my plugs out ahead of time. Uh, email the show, producers cast. Oh, yeah, the the network thing. Uh, check out RVA Podcast. Uh if you are either trying to start out your own podcast or if you're a local podcast who wants to get under the umbrella or whatever, anything in between, um, not really picky, but, uh, yeah, uh, RVA podcast at gmail.com. We have an Instagram and a website that is rvapodcast.org. Uh, if you know how to build a website and want to help me out, uh, making it look decent i guess i don't know i'm not really i'm not really freaking out about it i have the i have the domain i can i can do whatever whenever i have time uh but if you want to help out i really appreciate it uh very much appreciate all the love and support uh let's get into nelson Thankfully, a really nice tradition of, I don't know, having a fun conversation, sharing a, sharing a beverage, I guess, is the is the appeal. Yeah, we talk about uh, uh, the Mel Brooks, famous Mel Brooks play and film, The Producers. Oh, oh that's, that, that's, uh, that's what I've been Googling for the past, like, two I'm years. I'm excited to talk about Mel Brooks. That's just on. Well, let's get right into it. Tell me about Mel Brooks. No, uh, that's a joke. I'm not going to continue. <laughs> I'm assuming this is on. Yeah, yeah. I would say uh, leave it where it is. You can you can move it wherever. I always feel like if you talk directly like into it, it's usually better. So wherever's comfortable, wherever you, wherever you feel. 
is that just a yep. typical sound effect you're used to playing on the ones and twos there? All right. Well, shit, Jonathan, how you doing? I'm good, Jonathan. How are you? I am very well. I am very excited to do this because we have been talking about doing this episode for a very long time. True. Yeah, it's been a couple months. I will say that uh, it's it seems to be tradition to, for me anyway, like really wanting to get people on the show, but having a hard time nailing down a time because uh, one of the great things about the show is we bring on a lot of creative people, and creative people are very busy. Sure. Yeah. Like especially with the thing I definitely really want to hear a lot about. Um, trash bang. You guys, for the Halloween show, you guys were crazy busy. Yeah, yeah, that was a big show to put together. A lot of, uh, a lot of time we had to fill. We were excited about, you know, that prospect and we're working for several months and, uh, you know, everybody putting in a lot of, a lot of work. Sean Hambright, especially the, Friend uh, of the show, Sean Hambright. The, the real workhorse of our team. Oh, that's good. That's very good. Yeah, the um, I think let's see. I've had Sean on the show. I've had Grace on the show. I've had Josh on the show. Catherine did uh, Coalition Live episode two. Um, I hope I'm not forgetting anyone who may or may not have been on the show. Did you say Dashel. Dashel did way like last year, like episode nine. That's that cool. Was, that was so. I didn't even know him. That's great just, too because I feel like you're uh if like the stated idea of the podcast is like creatives, you know, and he's not exact. I mean, he's done plenty of improv, but mm-hmm. he's not as much an improviser as he is, you know, a visual artist in many other ways. I think if I remember correctly, the first 8 episodes included Ryan Clatterbuck, um very talented improviser and then mostly 101 students who were in my 101 at the time. Mm. And then I saw I saw a KGB show, and he did a little in between where he was drawing. He was like, he would ask about like a weird date, and then like just draw whatever anyone wanted him to draw. On it. Yeah, that's a classic. Very very fun. Very very, especially seeing it before I really understood any kind of like performance art. Yeah. Like, um, and I remember I just was like, I'm gonna. I was with somebody. I was like, I'm gonna. I'm gonna ask him to be on the show. And I went up. He's like, Yeah, sure, totally. Yeah, that's fine. And I was just like wow, this is crazy. Because I did yeah. that with Ryan, too. Somebody who, to me, was just like big performer kind of thing. And then to go up to them and be like, excuse me, sir, would you would you mind being on my <laughs> podcast? It hasn't hit 10 episodes yet. Um, I feel like the it's a community that's pretty, you know... Oh, yeah. Cooperative and willing to participate in projects, generally. I think, um, but the, the, I think the thing that still, uh, still, I don't want to say haunts me, but still is very resonant. Because I know that now. Like, uh, I've done so many different shows where I needed people and people have always been there. Like I've never, I've never been like, oh, fuck, I don't have anybody like always, always, always able to find someone who maybe they're a little too busy or whatever. Cause I remember for the first live show that you did, the refinery one, you were very busy, but you found like time to do it. Sure. Yeah. Full, perfect example of just like, I'm very busy, but like, sure, I'll be there. So for me, cause again, brand new, I'm talking like six weeks into 101 first time at the theater like was the like week before the class started um to that's, have to have that support that's when you first uh, started making this podcast mm-hmm. so yeah at the beginning of your journey 
through the world of improv. I think that July, I think it was June or July was a big month for starting things, starting improv and the show. Crazy. So I'm afraid I'm just like looking at the... There you go. Is that good? You know, I'm just afraid my voice might be too loud for the... Oh, no, no, no. You're fine. Okay. I had somebody who... So you see those big ones? Yeah, I, I see the big lines and I'm just like, I don't want to peek, peek your whole setup here, you know? No, honestly, I... I feel like that's not maybe like a good accurate percentage because it never it never peaks. Like I okay. had someone who the, your big lines or their with their normal lines. That's like your normal. You're the big lines. The big lines. <laughs> professional big professional talk about a yeah. digital audio workshop. <laughs> I've done sixty three of these, so uh, I think I know what I'm talking. They're called lines. Oh, yeah. I have no idea. That's that's why I still use GarageBand and not like a, a better program. Not that GarageBand's bad. Not throwing shade. I'm just saying like. Yeah, I work on uh, audio production. I just got to go home and do some lines on my computer. <laughs> you do some lines. Got to draw some lines. If I draw some lines, the voices just happen. Yeah, or people think you're doing cocaine. <laughs> We're going to do some lines, Jonathan. Are you ready? I'm not. Please. <laughs> I didn't know that's why you brought me here. <laughs> I just, I'm nobody... here to talk about uh, the amazing uh, Gene Wilder <laughs> and his performance. <laughs> here to talk about Van Wilder. And uh, National Lampoon. No, that's not true. I'm here to talk about Chris Farley's A Van Down by the River sketch on SNL. Sure, yeah. This is what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about <laughs> comedy, right? Comedy that's already happened and we don't know any of the people. Well, what's your usual? Are you, uh, um, you know, are there questions that you're you're trying to ask um, to okay. get a certain line of conversation? Uh, if, 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 if I'm nothing else, to, if, if, you, if somebody is listening to every episode in a row, I'm nothing if not consistent. Um, cause I think, and I'm totally fine repeating this. I repeat this most, I repeat a lot of things. Most episodes, I'm sure there's a certain buzzword or whatever. Um, when I did the show originally, I recorded a little five minute episode zero kind of thing where it was just like me talking about my goals and my goals were to talk to people who are creative, talk about their process, talk about what makes them take all this other stuff. And then as I started to bring on people who I knew better, it started to just kind of devolve very pleasantly in terms of experimentation with the process and understand that this is just a project um, into casual banter sure. and maybe a little more inside kind of thing. Um, not that that was bad. We still talked about creativity and stuff, but it got a little more fun, a little more relaxed. Okay, yeah. I'm always down going for, for that. Cool. So what I try to do is I try to keep it relaxed, but then I'll just like, f- like stop on a dime and pivot. you like, here's a crush. Here's a question that we can start with, or here's a thing that you do kind of thing. Um, so actually, the, the first question is usually it's a very big one. Um, I like to start out really strong, and uh, the first one is like, "What's your go-to breakfast food?" My go-to breakfast, um, you know, it it changes up a lot. A lot of times, I finally, oh my gosh, I well, can't tell you, you know, how many people have come on and I eat the same thing every day, five days a week, and I'm just like. Good for you, I get it, but I need someone who's like, I'm going to change it up. Well, you know, it's just out of necessity. A lot of times I might not have time for like a breakfast, so I'll just focus on making coffee and eat a protein bar. That's good, cool. uh, yeah. Or, you know. That's some, what I literally had today. Yeah, sometimes I'll get like an inst- organic instant oatmeal. I like mm-hmm. that, a bunch of those in my in my uh, cupboard, and I'll throw some flaxseed in there, some uh some chia seeds. You got to throw some little peanut butter in there for your sweetness. Oh my gosh! Chomp up a banana or something, and Jonathan's then Jonathan's house for breakfast. You know, it's e- that's because it's, e- it's also easy. It's like mm-hmm. it, that's okay. a little bit more involved, but I'm, it's basically just me pouring mm-hmm. a, a whole bunch of stuff into a bowl and mm-hmm. stirring. When I do so. when I when I do my when I do smoo- the occasional mm-hmm. smoothie, um, it's about throwing shit in a thing and 
and mixing it up. And then I, I, I literally was so lazy that I bought the thing where the the thing you blended in is also the cup you take with you. Oh yeah, that's not that's called convenience. That's why we're living in the twenty first century. Absolutely, it's because you're not using like a leaf to uh, carry your mashed up fruits and veggies. You know. Yeah, the leaf didn't. Really you're not work using well. a hollowed out rock. You know, you're not. Uh, you're not dependent upon you know your paws. My paws to to hold whatever liquid you've got. So <laughs> you might as well holding liquid. That's what I should have called this show instead of the producers. I feel like that's what I want to find now is a better name throughout the show. Uh, so that's my that's my one of my favorite questions because I feel like it. I intentionally put, set it up so that it catches people off guard. Although it's very obvious because I'm like, this is a huge question, and you have two thoughts. You're like, either yes, it is, or no, it is not. Completely so. Um, that, that to me, I feel like. Oh, like oh, like turns the doorknob to the, the someone coming into your your place, oh, no. the place where you live. I'm coming in the place where you. That's live. why. That's breakfast. what I mean. And to to interrupt my breakfast <laughs> and go through the process. Are those flax seeds. I'm cool. just trying to eat a protein bar and go to work, man. Um, yeah. So that that um, yeah that that is refreshing to hear that I'm not the only one who changes it up. And I'll, I, I don't have breakfast a lot of the times. So I won't just like I'll have coffee. I'll yeah, like, for me it's uh, you know you know I'm I'm one of those people where too where it's like coffee is if I at least have that then my addiction is uh, sated and I can keep on. How much coffee pushing. do you have? I usually have like one cup a day primarily, oh, but it's like I make my own coffee in the morning, and that's like the one thing I have to make. Do you like do you like the press? Uh, that's an, what an interesting, interesting French press, uh, <laughs> motion. So you're doing more of a shake weight. I know. I was picturing like holding a no, thing. No, you don't, you don't want to put, you don't pull a French press up and down. I have no idea. You don't idea. pump it. You don't pump it. It's yeah, not a French pump. <laughs> so it's literally, you know, you press, you wait until you pour, sure. grind the coffee, you put yeah. it in there and, uh, you know, got your te- water at the right temperature. You pour that in, you let it steep with the lid resting on top. And then after like four minutes or something, you just one, you plunge it. Yeah. Bring it down. Yeah. Because you've steeped it. Oh, interesting. Uh, but I don't really use a French press. Uh, and you have obviously. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's, I, I have one, but it's, it usually makes too much coffee for me in the morning. So I, I just make like a pour over, ah. which is very quick and efficient. So I've I just, only ever seen that once. Angela did that for her. she had a party. She's like, "What's coffee?" And I'm like, "It's eleven <laughs> at night." Oh, that it's sounds like, like uh, really Angela. Yeah, it's really good. Um, yeah, I feel like we can go on. See, that's the thing is, we just like it's very uh, nice. Yeah, it gets very casual, and we just like go on about breakfast and um, deliver the the burps, the best burps we can. I feel like I was, this is a very burpy beer. I'm a very burpy man, so this uh, hand in hand, there there could be lots of. Uh, lots of gas release. Who knows? Maybe we'll get some farts on on the program. I I'm not have sure. A fart mic installed, so you're good. Just let them rip. All right, glad <laughs> to hear. Underneath every chair, a every mic for every fart. Chair. Um, so I, I want to get back on trash man because I feel like that is. So the one. Th- so I'll say this: the one problem I, I have with you is uh, is that you won't talk about yourself and, and you're like accomplishments kind of thing, and that's like a very over the top ridiculous thing to say when i had you on the live show um i want i really i wanted to like celebrate you and i felt like you wouldn't let me do it because you are so modest it's like it's a, it's a good thing it's not a negative thing so I'm yeah gonna, i want to force you to talk about 
you and you and your incredible teens work on that show and just in general yeah oh yeah well i mean i love being a part of uh that team uh trash bang we're you know a sketch comedy group mm-hmm. um and yeah uh, we're just a group of like seven like-minded people that uh you know we're we're all friends and i think that's a huge part of uh our you know are bringing us together helping us forge that connection originally we were a uh a weird improv slash performance art with me, Josh Bluebaugh, um, Joe Mack, and uh, Catherine uh, Schmidt. She would be rolling by on rollerblades with all the edits uh, as non, <laughs> non-sequiturs on uh, poster board. What the fuck? And, you know, occasionally I would jump in the rollerblades. Oh, my gosh. When um, was this? Did I miss this? It was for a couple, I feel like it was for a couple years we did this, or maybe just a year. I don't even know. I felt like we did it for a while on and off. Um, and then at the end of last year, really, um, coming up on the end of last year, Blue had always wanted to put together mm-hmm. like a sketch team uh, consistently. Well, making stuff, you know, just like a good crew. And he was like, yeah, I want to make, we're like, he wants, I want to make Trash Bang Sketch. And we were all on board with that. Oh, so that, that was the name of the rollerblade show. Yeah, it was li- literally also named Trash Bang. And it was just weird improv, uh, mostly about like dads and death. And then, uh, there's a lot of dad themes in your show. Honestly. It. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of dads in the world and <laughs> inevitably we're influenced by, uh, those in some way. But, uh, we, we decided we wanted to do a sketch team and we invited Grace and Sean to be a part of it. Cause we, there were, you know, friends with all of us and we appreciate their perspectives and their, um, contributions to the team. And, and I've seen, I've seen a lot of thinking about the, Especially before I started performing a lot, when I was really just watching, I've seen a lot of you in different groupings doing things together and performing, and then like doing oh, whatever. Yeah. Just just seeing that and, and understanding like how long you guys have been doing stuff together. For really, sure. For me, I don't know because I feel like to bring it to bring it uh, to a place where if you're not in the theater, you want to understand like. I, I, I refer to like the way that there are people that are in waves. Mm-hmm. Like there's a new wave and there's an old wave. Like that's just how I look at it. Basically everyone who was around before I got there, right. like doing things primarily like in the riots and in the shows and then everyone who kind of st- starting to get more time. So I see that as like the culmination of like, this is, uh, what it looks like when you've been doing things together for three to five years, let's say, or more or less, whatever. Um, and you reach a point where you are so much on the same page and not only with the way you want to do things, but what you want to do. Sure. I want to do this project. And there are, I don't know, seven, eight of you. There's seven of us. So it's, uh, you know, the only person I haven't mentioned yet, or I didn't mention yet as far as the formation of the team was, uh, Dashiell, who we always considered, I, I guess would be a part of the, a part of it in some way I imagine. But, um, once we really, met we started meeting at grace and dashel's place to work on uh for like our first meeting and almost immediately dashel was like contributing ideas and became naturally a part of the team just um, absolutely absorbed yeah yeah i mean well plus you know we, we talked about him already a little bit and you know he's got a great great mind and uh i need just, to go back on the show i need to update that yeah you should you should uh get back in touch with that he that i i don't i just a quick interruption about dashel he was the first person to ever bring something he brought collage supplies 
and not only was he the oh, he was also the first one that made me have to edit an episode, um, which I did not like, but it was like so worth it. We made that collage together. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, and it was just like it's so silly, but it's like to me, like that's beautiful. Like, yeah, that's, that's a cre- treasured possession. You shared a creative experience together, you know. And I didn't even like. I didn't have to. He just did it. Like that's just, that's like to me like quintessential dash like oh yeah understanding him he like oh i loved it anyway so um, he's a he's a being that oozes creativity uh and uh support so and he, yeah so but the, the i think the the key word is this supportive kind of where it's like he oozes creativity but like definitely and this is just a character thing like never would ever put it on somebody just more like uh adding things just for, just just a great person agreed big, big fan and I think uh, that's one thing I like about all the people. Uh, excuse me, on, on, on trash bag, they're, they're, they're all very similar in that way, where it's just like um, no one, no one's here to like. Uh, this is my thing, or whatever. It's like this is our thing. We're all contributing to this one idea, which is the the weird culmination of things. Where it's like we have an idea, we want to achieve this thing. Sure, I mean, and that's been the experience. Is you know anybody who. Uh, works on a creative project and tries to collaborate with somebody uh or and has done tried multiple times probably has had situations that didn't work you know Mm -hmm. people you tried to work with where it like was like a uh, a trudge through the project or um you you didn't see as eye to eye as you thought or it just doesn't end up working out you know um i've had some experiences like that and a few rare moments of like pure really amazing collaboration and trash bang for me is like one of those. And the first one where it's been like, uh, a sizable group of people, seven people, seven people who can all to manage. Yeah. Sit in a room and, um, you know, share ideas and we, and I think the approach is obviously we, we do all come from sharing a similar improv philosophy, you know, uh, doing, playing that way together, understanding each other. And maybe that puts us in a place where we are able to, even, you know, like in kind of like our writer's room, say, uh, be able to make those yes and jumps a little bit easier. But mm-hmm. I think it's just a, a we, we just all a, like and appreciate each other's perspectives, but then all share many of the same ones. So it just is a very natural creative process. And as much as there it can be a lot of work in um, in the process, it it's, you know, one of the most rewarding creative experiences I've ever had absolutely and i feel like the the real testament to showing everything you just said is true you guys have had what six shows since april um uh, maybe if you, not. if you count the uh the festival i guess we performed thing. twice uh, for the april show we did that one twice mm-hmm. you did that one twice and then we did, we the, did father's the father's day and the the second best show so that's like four shows Mm-hmm. The, the, the then, competition. Uh, that's yeah. I would. I'd call, count that. I'd count that. Well, that was a totally different experience in many okay, ways sure. because we did the twenty-four hour sketch okay. festival at the Unified Scene Theater you in Washington D.C. Judges Award. And we won. There, there were two awards: uh, an Audience Award and a Judges Award. We were second in the Audience Award, uh, and we won the Judges Award, which <laughs> was more prestigious. <laughs> uh, judges uh, are, you know. Except it's funny I'm saying this on an election day. Uh, I would yeah, never, yeah. I would never refer, I would never in that case refer to the elites over the the, the will of the people. But when uh, you know when they voted for you, you have to. Uh, <laughs> I guess you have to change your values a little bit. But no, that's. Did that's, you guys, sorry? Did you do a show after the that competition in the Halloween? Or did you guys take a little break? We took. You know that was our that was a, a time we spent 
working on material for the Halloween show and starting to gestate ideas for the Christmas show we have coming up that we, you know, have a... Sorry, so six shows... And then a seventh one on the way. And that's the thing I'm saying. Is and like, that's in one. Yeah, we, we just start. Yeah, since I guess February, we started meeting uh, to write. And we started putting ideas together for our first show and for our, our team in general. So, and, yeah. And, and the fact that you have been able to not only put on great show after great show after great show, but still, like, have the same kind of... I'm, I'm, I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. And I'm not asking you to spill if you don't want to. But, like, it just seems like... You guys are just chugging along like no one's uh, no no one. I don't want to say no one seems upset, but it just seems like you guys are still in that same seven people, one goal. Everyone's just contributing. No one has like an ego or whatever it is. Like it just seems like it's a big success. And like you said, like one of those rare moments where it just works. It just seems yeah. like you guys for nine months, six shows, and then a seventh one in another month. Like I just feel like that's a very pure. Like this is. Uh, this is something that we as audience members are witnessing. This is incredible. Oh, well, thanks for saying that. Absolutely. I, mean, I, can't, I can't talk enough good things about Trash Bank. I love it. Well, hey, I, I'm I'm glad to hear we, we all, all of us love uh, to hear and appreciate the feedback, you know, because we, we're doing it like anything uh, because this is stuff that we find funny. This is stuff we're having fun making. And, you know, like that 24-hour sketch fest experience was um, just very stressful, nerve wracking, you know, are we going to make it? Mm-hmm. We're writing the sketch like me, uh, Dashiell and, uh, Joe and, and, uh, Grace having to work out the details of the sketch, finish writing it. And, uh, also be able to perform it. And you also yeah. had a couple, I remember Sean we had to memorize it as six. It was like six minutes long. Their limit for, uh, time was like five minutes. And we were like, hey, uh, we have a very long sketch. So is it okay if it runs over? They're like, yeah, we need the time. So, Oh, good. <laughs> it was like, great, perfect. But, you know, we wrote, we wrote something very long. Uh, I think we, we have trouble being brief sometimes, uh, which is not always a problem. But oh, it ended up just good. being, it was a great, it was a sketch that I still enjoy. And we'll probably perform at some point if we can get a chance uh, with just a lot of fun a lot of fun stuff that is, it was a totally trash bang sketch that we were able to produce. And what was almost essentially just like 12 hours because we were here in Richmond and we had to drive up to DC the day of mm-hmm. to perform at like 6 PM. Uh, but we had all been working and performing, uh, on Friday and that 6, 6 PM on Friday is when you're supposed to like start getting into it. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't really do that until we had a meeting that night at like 11 or 12, that evening where we just kind of generally talked about what we might want to do based on, they gave us three, three, there was like a, a phrase you had to use a prop you had to use. And then, um, a, a character that had to appear. And I think the phrase was like, um, I remember talking the name of love. Yeah. The prop was like fancy shoes. And then the, um, character was, uh, like a, a, uh, drifter, vagabond, something like that. Nomad, that's what it was. Yeah, nomad. I remember Sean telling me a little bit about it. Yeah, and so that was uh, that was what we we that was what we had, and we wrote this sketch about um, you know this little girl uh, and these her parents and these circus performers, and uh, it was really fun. Just it, was that recorded? 
It was. It's on our YouTube okay, page, yeah. I think. If you go to our, you know, go to find Trash Bang on YouTube, like, subs- like and subscribe. <laughs> uh, you know, tell your friends about us. We want to get to something like a gazillion subscribers so that we can have, you Great know. Gazillion. Uh, yeah, yeah, the I don't know. in the description for that as well as their Instagram page. Yeah, so you can see that sketch on the page there filmed uh, graciously by the people at the Unified, Unified Scene Theater, which was very cool. And we, like, won a cash prize for, for our... Damn. Our award, you know, and it was very cool. It was cool to just like go perform in a different city, win uh, for a sketch that we wrote uh, incredibly collaboratively, like last minute, and then the memorization, like that we had, we literally did an amazing job of like get, putting together the show and memorizing all of this and having those characters in such a short period of time. And I was, uh, I was, I was uh, impressed. And then we just all chilled out afterwards and felt. Um, like really happy to be a part of you know the team together. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm I love Trash Bang and I'm excited for all the stuff we want to do in the future. And I'm excited to see what happens in like year two, like what what it's going to look like when maybe certain shows you guys are doing again, kind of thing, or you run run them back. Yeah, well, that's, you know, that, I don't. That's a new challenge. I don't want to give too much away, oh, but please, I mean, please don't spoil. The idea is is to. to continue on the uh, in many many ways the path we've already done and continue creating new shows mm. um, but find ways to um, engage ev- uh, the material we've created already and um, you know find ways to bring it uh, to other places if possible I think know? one of my favorite things about the Halloween show is that you guys were like as yourselves in the show you guys were, you guys were in hell and as yourselves and, and that's that's been a consistent thing throughout each of the shows mm-hmm. we did. Um, but I think I think I think also just having Sham as Satan was just like that was that a, back and forth was so good. Thanks for yeah, thanks for th- saying that. We were very excited to to have Sham. She's a hilarious uh, always and uh, amazing and um, also a close friend that we just loved to loved to get the chance to involve uh, in that show. And we had a lot of great collaborators on that uh, Halloween show that. You know, gave us a, a chance to breathe sometimes. Uh, you know, for the performances, and and then brought their own amazing energy and um, co- things that we couldn't do. You know, shout out to uh, if I remember correctly, Randy. Oh yeah, Randy uh, was an amazing, is an amazing uh, eighth member of Trash Bang at least for a time uh, for something like fifty thousand years in hell, uh, which is <laughs> we'll see, we'll see what happens. The text, uh, which is from the the sketch show, if you missed it. Uh, but Randy was like a, a prop picture and randy is a name that we have used more than once uh we used in that unified scene theater sketch uh and uh in a very fun way with uh you know if you you know you got to check it out on youtube i'll just give you a little taste here uh uh, randy shows up maybe maybe he has the shoes maybe he's a nomad who knows well yeah well or he's a picture of a a child with a third eye that randy made an appearance there no 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 that was was that was a further development the child who speaks the picture of a child who's possessed by a demon that speaks only in farts (laughs) uh and is eventually destroyed by uh the devil for insubordination, you know, it's hard to write. Randy was on the devil side originally, right? Oh, uh, Randy's the escape room. Yeah, Randy was a prop and, you know, a watcher in the escape room. <laughs> We're talking <laughs> de- inside the, the, uh, this, the deep lore of <laughs> trash bang hell. Uh, I'm so about it. I'm so about um, it. So who knows? Randy may have survived. I know Shamanique uh, did not end up breaking the, the, the frame, and it's now hanging in Grayson Dashiell's house. So, 
Um, Randy's still could be, I don't know who knows, but just, it's like a prop in our, in our, uh, prop closet. in our Batman, uh, cave of, oh, cool. you know, like all the props, you know, Batman's On got all wall. those, all those leftover things from his, uh, from his enemies, like a giant coin from two face. He's got like a, a, a giant, T-Rex in there and... Wait, what? I don't know. You just, just look up a, a Batman's cave, or which is just called the Batcave. I've been calling it Batman's cave. <laughs> you guys have, a, have a, seen that movie uh, about Batman's cave starring a character who plays a bat? A man. A man who's a bat. A man who's a bit. But he lives in a Batman cave. How the hell do you do the accents that you do? Um, I was talking with Matthew and I was telling him, because I live with Matthew, um... And I was talking about having you on the show. He's like, you got to ask him how how the fuck he does those accents. <laughs> and he specifically mentioned your great Australian accent. Oh, and then you just like thanks. did it. And I'm like, okay, now I have to ask for sure. Uh, well, you know, honestly, it's a lot of listening, I guess, and um, observance. Uh, it's something I've just sort of always been able to. It's, part of it is just like a weird uh, ability that I have. Sure. Um, of, Genetics. Of some mimicry, you know. Um, the Mickey. Um, it's not something like my parents or anybody I know was really able to do that well. It was just always something that I liked to do, and it was um, something that I, I would keep listening. Like uh, you know, when I was around people who would have accents, to uh, hear the different ways they speak, you know, and um, really pay attention. Like the what is it, the the Fred Armisen kind of thing? I suppose. I mean, he's great. He's pretty good at accents as well. But what's his what's his philosophy? I don't know it exactly. Oh, I, the only thing I the only thing I can remember, I know that he does a lot of accents, but yeah. he's a, he just has a, a silly bit where he's like, I can do any accent from any like suburb of New York. Oh, right, right. You, the dialects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you name one, and it's like the same. Well, <laughs> but but I know he's he's, he's someone. Him and Bill Hader are people who. Like oh, Bill Hader, especially very. Uh, I just realized it. If I had to assign someone to you that you are very much alike, it's fucking Bill Hader. Oh well, that's uh, very uh, flattering. Thank you, because uh, Bill Hader, you know, very inspirational uh, figure to me. Like when I when he was on SNL, like someone who could do a lot of different characters and accents. It was like, okay, this is cool to see oh, yeah. um, a space for someone like that. You know, he did a Vincent Price. I also did Vincent Price for several years at the theater, and <laughs> really? um, you know, it was. Well, it you know inspired by Bill Hader in that sure. sense, but the yeah, accent to see how somebody else pulls from somebody else kind of thing is the- sure exactly. And I mean a lot of those things. It's all like any other character thing. So you can do a bad accent, but as long as you like believe it, mm-hmm. it, it it works. Sure, you know Dick Van Dyke mm-hmm. did the entire Mary Poppins film with the worst Cockney accent ever uh, filmed on cellulite, and everybody was like, <laughs> "This is a beloved film." So you don't really have to. Uh, you don't really have to put that much work into it, but what's you know. your what's your uh, fa- I want to say go to what's your your favorite one? Maybe even one that you don't get to pull out very often, but when you do, you're like, oh um, yes. I don't know. I don't know if I'd say that. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how often I think about that, but uh, sure. I mean, I guess I, Australian is one that I jump into, and more or like a New Zealand. So the difference between those for me is, you know, yeah, like. Uh, and from my perspective, so if someone is Australian or, or uh, a New Zealander and is listening to this, I may be wrong, but this is what I've seen to observe. And it may not sound, who knows what it'll sound like on audio, but like an Australian accent is more coming from the throat, as far as I can tell. And they, they say words differently. So they would say words or words. 
you know, I don't know, I don't know if I can do it exactly, but a New, a New <laughs> Zealander, so like a good. Kiwi, would be like, Heidi, you know, they, they stuck more through the front of their mouth, yep. so it's the teeth and, and more nasal, at least from my perspective, and they would say, like, weirds. So, you weirds, know, yeah. you know, I like to focus on the words that people say and then, yeah. and then dig into that and pull out the, you know, the meat of what's there. No, it's just like hearing the where people are speaking yeah. from, you know. I will say that through watching like Flight of the Concords, like I know like three, three or four words I can say that I think sound like. Brit? Brit. Yeah. Uh, sexist. Um, uh, Beant mating. Nuzzoland. Uh not quite. Nuzzleland. Nuzzle land. I, I never got that one down. I have a New friend who's, who's, uh, who's a NZ kind of guy. He's, he lives there. And whenever kiwi. I'm, he's a Kiwi. He, he, he always would make uh, the joke of like saying what something that is in the U.S., what it's called in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, it would always be like a fake thing. Like he said that macaroni and cheese was called like, <laughs> Cheesy Curls. <laughs> Then that's made up. That's pretty I funny. I believed him. I no, like, that's great. That's, for years. They, uh, you know, it seems like a lot of New Zealanders have a great dry sense of humor. Yeah, shout out. Seems like me. a cool country. Absolutely. You know, it's a place I'd love to visit. And then, uh, oh, I know. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, no. Oh, no. It's, it's a lot of like, yeah. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it's a lot of, you know, like uh, the weirds. I don't know how to explain it exactly <laughs> about the way that you shape your mouth. Mm-hmm. because And there's a lot of times that... You know, I think in both Australian and New Zealanders, they kind of go up a little bit more when they're talking. You know, like a question at the end. Question? Yeah. Dude, I don't know. So you know, good. who knows? I, I also am self-conscious about it a little bit because it's like, you know, I do want to, if you, if you, there's that weird middle line between doing a good accent or doing like a lousy good accent where you're like almost there, but you're not. Um, so there are some... Well, I will, I will say that uh, one of the, my favorite things um, from the big inspiration between from this show when I listened to uh, Pete Holmes' podcast where he's just like um, kind of like a green lights idea, which like what if, what if you just like greenlit it and like even if it's bad, you still do it. Like that's the only reason I ever did a Jerry Seinfeld impression because it was always bad. Oh, yeah. You just go for it. You just go for it. So I feel like the only thing – I thought you were going to say like I'm worried about being offensive to people who actually speak like that. No, I'm just worried about not getting – you know, I I, uh, I wouldn't do it in front of them unless it prompted. You know, I would never try to – because then it's – you don't want to seem like you're making fun of somebody else. Exactly, which is, ne- of course, never your goal um, as a performer. And it's then there are – to bring different voices. Yeah, you know, it's just like uh, – impressions can be difficult because you're like trying to get the specifics of a person, but I can occasionally do a good, like Matthew McConaughey, um, like, you know, Jimmy Stewart, Vincent Price. Those are characters that I can, golly, uh, that I can tap into a little bit. Uh, you know, but then there's like uh, dialects are fun because you can try different varieties of like, uh, you know, I think I may have even seen Fred Armisen do this talking about, uh, like Georgia, the difference between a Georgian accent and uh, like a, um, you know, like a Florida or like a North Carolina accent. The I difference think is the word molasses a lot. In yeah, that, in that. well, you have a lot. No, that might have been Ed Helms. I'm thinking of. Oh, that was Ed Helms. You right, got right, a lot right, of molasses right. in your mouth. <laughs> you know, it's a uh, and there's a there's almost like it's very similar to like a a Virginian accent too. But there's like a lot of you know you slow down, you're talking. You know, a lot more. Ever, everything moves much more slowly. Um, Does Virginia have an accent? 
Yeah, there's like an old Virginia. It's hard. That one a bit. They say, I'm trying to think of the words they say, uh, kind of very distinctly. So, um, um, I can't, uh, it's, it's got a weird tone to it. I can't think of it exactly in this moment, but it's more of an older thing. It's an old, it's like, yeah, old Southern, you know, cause Virginia is oh, a, yeah, 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 especially yeah. in Richmond, you'll see a lot of, uh, you, you can run into a lot of those like old Virginian folks who still have that, you know, that Southern draw, but accents is something I've, I've always wanted to do, but I just do not, I don't have the genetic thing that you were blessed with. Sure. I guess. Yeah. Whatever it is, whatever's in there. My default is the, like the Jersey one or like, uh, just loud, <laughs> just like loud and putting a, like a Southern twang on it and be like, I'm a prospector or whatever. Yeah, sure. You know, you can jump into a character and you know, I think totally it's a thing where you just make a choice and uh, it's it'll be funny as long as you bring something emotional to it. Oh, of course. I mean, now you're teaching me about improv, uh, teaching our, our, our listeners about it. Uh, yeah, well, no, it's just about good character work in general. Like, if you have a character well, that's something that, that you're you- developing, it should be somebody... You have to be good at acting on some level. You have to act out that character. Did you ever take, like, acting lessons or anything? Uh, I didn't, really. Oh, I took, so it's just natural talent. Cool. Uh, well, Boring. Uh, it's, well, in many ways, uh, you know, it was something I always wanted to do. Uh, I, I picture you putting a lot of effort in, whether it's not, like, not necessarily in class, but just like, like you said, you literally just said, when you're working on a character, I'm sure that a lot of people who are like, I'll, I'll, I'll leave everyone else alone. I know that I love the idea of doing a character, but like in my free time, I don't ever work on a character. I work sure. on a character when I'm on stage and I'm like, I should be this character. Like that's not enough work. I, I picture you doing the work of just like, this is a character. Well, I'm the kind of person who was doing characters before I ever did improv. You know, I, I was, believe that 100%. I was, uh, you know, I could be an obnoxious person probably, uh, on some level in my, um, like college years doing an accent, uh, all day at some points I would be British oh, for an entire so day. I've heard, I've heard a story about, I think it was Julia Roberts or something like she was a server and she would assign different tables to different oh, characters. I would do that as well. But sometimes you, the difficult part is if they hear you, the if they table. overhear you and if you get it mixed up, uh, if you have too busy of a night, but I would do that. I, I many tables when I was a server, you know, I, I would pretend to be, uh, you know, usually like Australian or or uh, Eng- some English uh, dialect often because um, those are just the fun ones that are easy to do, like sort of more naturally for me. And you can, you can uh, I'm sure, hit a wider range of words and more comfortable. Sure. And kind of lose yourself in that. Like, uh, yeah, but the hard part was always the feeling that I was lying to them. Oh, so that at any point, because the problem is if you're if for any servers out there who are trying to do characters at their tables. Uh, if you do that, people, or if you have an accent and you seem like you're from somewhere else, they're going to ask you questions. About that place. Right. They're, you're immediately a standout. You're a character, even if they think you're a real. And they normally thought I was legitimately like, how did you get? What's, what are you doing here? Are you really from Why? New Zealand? Yeah. How did you come here? Exactly. So uh, I would have to tell some lies. You know, it's like I would tell them my real name. <laughs> but I would be like, oh, well, my family moved here. It would be sometimes like lies of omission, you know, where it's like <laughs> my family moved here, which is true, but isn't really me telling that impl- implies. They're picturing what. Oh, you moved from the uh, the country you came from. Zealand. 
Yeah. You move from New Zealand. <laughs> How do you, how do you say New, New Zealand in a... New Zealand. New. I'm from New Zealand. Where did I get Zealand? Heidi, I'm from New Zealand. Great to meet you. I'm a Kiwi. Okay. You know, that might have been a little bit too emphatic in some mm-hmm. spots to be a, a good on. New I'll Zealand. Have my, uh, I'll, have my, uh, I'll have my friend Byron listen to this. He's from... Oh, well, please don't. If he's truly a <laughs> Kiwi, uh, he'll find all the fuzz on my fruit. <laughs> uh, doing that, that hard switch gears. What was... Um, I think we have talked about this, but obviously not on the show, and I want to hear about it again. What was your first creative moment? Oh, um... It's interesting. I guess um, if we're talking about first creative moment, there's some ver- some variations on this probably. Uh, I do remember one of my first creative experiences being like an, an acting performance, which I remember thinking I did an amazing people. Everyone was like, you did a great job. Nice work. You really, you really sold it. I was four years old uh, <laughs> and I was in a church play uh, this like, you know, hobbled together little church play of, uh, the story of the good Samaritan. And I was, uh, I was the guy that gets beat up. Uh, if you know that story, you know, there's, there's a guy that gets beat up left on the side of the road. These like religious people come by, uh, and don't help him, you know, a largely, you know, this is a good story for Christians today. The, these religious people pass by and don't help him because they're racist and, uh, they, uh, are too uh, hypocritical, and then somebody um, who is uh, well, I guess maybe they're not racist, but anyways, this is a parable Jesus is telling that is about a uh, a guy, a foreigner to the uh, Israelites mm-hmm. or the Hebrew people there, and uh, from Samaria, a Samaritan who were like. Uh, you know, had, there was racial prejudice between these two groups. Sure. And the idea is that this, the one man that helps this uh, stranger, mugged, abused stranger, was the foreigner, the Samaritan who came through, gave you know, put his, used his own money to put this guy up in a in a hospital and and fix him up and give him a room to stay for the night while he got better. I got to play the guy who got beat up, uh, which you know I thought was great. All my my friends, I'm like four years old. They gather around me and pretend to beat me up uh, in front of the whole church congregation I was a part of at the time. I loved it. They wrapped me in toilet paper, um, uh, and I was supposed to pretend to be. Per- I was perfectly still. I had to pretend I was like near death, and that's what the performance of people really lauded me for. Was like, wow, you really seem dead. Most notable. And you when I was you, and I was four, and I I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. I'm you yeah, I was always, you know, in many ways, always a performer. Like I said, doing characters. Yeah, yeah. my like, I when I was like fourteen years old, I had an Australian character. Uh, uh, you've been working on that for years. Yeah, I mean, that, like I said, uh, that's one I picked up on a long time ago. That's all. that's so good. I uh, you, you talk about getting beat up, and I immediately thought back to one of the few times we've done a. Set <laughs> oh, I know together. what you're talking about. Yeah, the it was it was Josh Wright's. What was I thinking? It was his 
he was talking about um, he mentioned mosh pit, and so we immediately got into a mosh pit. It was you, me, and Anthony, right? Anthony, and yeah. he got a little uh, a little strawberry or strawberry burn or whatever it is, a little rug burn, a little, rug a little burn strawberry on his arm. Is, what is it? Or, I don't know what it's called. It's like strawberry something red. I don't know. Uh, and like, he rubbed his strawberry on his arm he because he was arm. because he loved this scene so much. I gotta look that up and figure out what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, but that was uh, I don't know having. Uh, uh, been been like, co-taught co-taught TA to class for you mm-hmm. with you and uh, watched you so much on different shows. Getting to do that and having that be as fun as it was and just seamless, where we were literally just like almost too far, almost too much. Oh yeah, I mean, washing for us in a in a big pile. Yeah, I I <laughs> have had a habit of doing dangerous things on stage, like maybe getting too physical sometimes. Um. Committing a little too hard. Uh, I, I loved it. I went, I went crazy for it. But I, I cut my chin open as a part of one sketch show once because of that. Another one? Uh, yeah, let's break into those other two beers. Um, this podcast is brought to you by Mass Landing Brewing Company. Try the Little Choppy, a hoppy session ale with 4.3% alcohol by volume. Sold in a four-pint series from Mass Landing. Now back to the program. Yeah, I'm still waiting for my first sponsor, so I'm yeah. hopeful. Uh, I was trying to, you know, I guess near the end, it, be, it felt very much like an NPR, uh, <laughs> the way their inflection is, but maybe it, maybe it didn't play that way. I, no, I feel like I got that. It felt like it was like a genuine break, and then I was ready for that. <sighs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm not quite done with my first one, so. I guess I just ran through it. This is actually very good. I'm it's not usually good. very... I don't know if it's hoppy I don't like, or maybe more like the wheat side, but I'm not a big fan of like the wheat, wheaty beers. Okay, yeah. So we wheat bills are, wheat bill, wheat, wheat bills. bills. Wheat bills are usually paid on the third of the month. <laughs> um, I've got to pay your wheat bill. Guys, I've been eating a lot of bread. <laughs> the fuck? I can't pay my wheat bill this month. Uh, Too much rye. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, those are going to be, these are, hop, hoppy beers are usually bitter in some sense. Because that hop, the hop spring, um, you know, kind of a bitterness to it. And something like this is, though, is not going to be as as powerful because it's supposed to be like multiple ones are supposed to be imbibed, which is just a scam from these beer companies to get us to buy more beer. But not a little choppy. Not them. Not little choppy. Mass Landing's Little Choppy brought to you by Mass Landing's Little Choppy, the hoppy session ale with 4.3% alcohol by volume. That little choppy gets the tip top of poppy. <laughs> the tip top of poppy. And you know, whatever that means to you. If it means the top of a wave where you're going to be riding riding that wave because there's a nice, there's some water. Uh, the can, very uh, nice design. Oh, some, yeah. Some great little, colors. Feels a nice sunset. little sunset. Yeah. Speaking of, did you see the sunset today in, in our fair city? It was it was gorgeous. Really? Beautiful I, sunset today. I work in a really cool office. I'm on the seventh floor, and today was just gloomy. I yeah, most the of the day it was. Yeah, I missed the sunset. What time was that? About four thirty. Hard, hard to know. We just had the time change. So oh, that's that's rough. That clock is still not changed, and I think that one. I think I changed like half the clocks in my house. It's very confusing. Sure. Um, re-switching gears. Uh, what got you into improv? Because okay, so just a little bit of backstory. The team, I feel like you are probably most notable 
noted for? The team that you are most associated with, perhaps? Is the Johnsons. Of course, yeah. That's Which I will tease right now. Little chappy. <laughs> no, um, uh, hopefully going to be appearing as a team on Coalition Live very soon. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm all for that. I'm very, very excited at the uh, idea of doing that. Yeah, I love that team. I love the Johnsons. Yeah, tell, I love tell all me those guys. a little bit about because um, we're gonna, we're obviously going to get into it on that live episode whenever that is happening. But uh, I feel like I want to hear your just without any anybody else here. Like, what is I don't want to say your experience, but what do you have to say? I guess about what do you have to say for yourself? What do you have to say for yourself um, about? So are you you sort of posed two questions? Are you asking about generally improv? Because I can do that and then lead into my experience with the that. Johnsons if uh, I can combine these two questions into one. Yeah, I ask a um, questions. No worries. I ask four uh, questions of a full show. It's all right. What uh, do you have for breakfast? <laughs> uh, well, for breakfast, I like to have a mass landing little choppy, the hoppy <laughs> session ale that goes down smooth with a glass of milk. Um, this is where we get our comedy genre. This is where we earn it. Uh, so... Um, the the my first improv experience you know i i wanted to do improv for a long time and i want i wanted to do comedy for a long time uh talking about my first creative experience in that sense it's like when i was five years old even i remember thinking like what will i do when i grow up and i had no real clue i was like maybe i'll be a, a comedian but the only comedians i knew were like weird christian stand-up comedians and i hated them yeah so i was like clearly not on the menu for me. So I wrote off stand up especially and for a long time I felt that way until I was like 19 and someone asked me to be a part of like this show variety show they were doing. I'd never done stand up before and I did stand up there uh when I was living in California for uh, some time and it was very it was fun like weird I kind of I even improvised some of that. And I was like, "Okay, cool. I just read like Steve Martin's Born Standing Up." And was feeling like inspired a little oh, bit. Oh, I love that. But then I, I came back to Richmond and I didn't really, I felt terrified to get involved with anything here. You know, it's like, I didn't know anybody who was doing comedy mm-hmm. in the city and it was scary to me. Uh, so that was like 2011 and I kept looking at stuff at the coalition online, like before the theater ever opened when, uh, it was just like the community performing at like gallery five and, uh, around other spaces in the city. Uh, and I, I kept putting it off until a friend was like, because, you know, like I said earlier, I, I was always doing characters uh, in, in like living rooms and at parties and stuff. And a friend was like, you got to do, you want to do, you want to do this improv thing for a while. You want to do comedy and you haven't, you should just do it, go for it. And then if it doesn't work, you know, who cares? And I did. So someone like gave you a little push. Someone gave me a push because I was, I'm, you know, I'm very, I'm, uh, I'm generally uncertain of if I, you know, I was like, I don't want to get a, become a part of this community and then suck and then it and then feel that be an anchor, the, the awful, the down. rejection, you know, of, oh, of, of stepping into a group of people I don't know and and then, and then like, being uh, rejected, yeah. you know. So that was like my big fear. But I just like went for it with some encouragement and, and uh, took a one on one class, the first one on one class at the you said, you, ooh, at the Coalition Theater space. You were the very first. Oh, first one in the, th- in the theater, theater space. space. So not the very first. That's still a cool thing. It was cool. It was like the theater had just opened, and uh, we were, um, you know, doing that class there. 
And you um, name drop anyone who's in that class with you? Well, only one of them is still at the theater oh, in any capacity. Vinny. Uh, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, and That's Vinny. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm so I'm so happy Vinny's still around. Yeah, I love absolutely. the guy, and it's been great That's to great. go through um, our experiences at the theater together. Uh, some other folks. I mean, it was a great group of people. Yeah. Um, and we went through one, two, three, uh, oh, one together, and then three, oh, one was kind of like. A very, very much a mind fuck for me. Ugh. Put me in a place where I was like, oh man, I don't think I'm good at improv. Because that 101 and 201 shows had felt amazing. I was like, oh, this is great. Um, I had people come up to me after and like, you should do more of this. And I was like, good, I feel validated. I don't, I'm not a failure. Uh, there was that, that sense for me. And then 301 felt more like, oh, I don't get it, you know? And Ugh, yeah. it was, it was just like, a, it was very much a learning process for me. Um, and I, I wasn't going to take 401 Ooh. and I didn't sign up for it. Literally I was at work the night the first class was happening. Uh, and, um, Cindy, uh, Bennett, who has not been at the theater for some time, but she was great. Went through all those classes with me. She like texted me and was like, Hey, you gotta, what are you doing? You're not here at the first class. Why aren't, why aren't you here? And I was like, well, for one, I don't really have the money. And then I was like, I don't, I'm not feeling improv. You think I need to take a break? She's like, if you don't get, she's like, you got to get over here. You, you're a part of this group. So I was like, uh, you know, lovingly peer pressured, not in a, not in a lovingly, uh, encouraged to like, Hey, we appreciate having you, you here. here. You belong want, with we us. Want you here. And I felt, uh, inspired, you know, and, uh, I ended up, you know, uh, getting into that 401 class, uh, from the second class onward. And, um, then went through that group and, and that's how I met um, Donna Steele, who you may know. And mm-hmm. uh, before I ever was a part of the Coalition Theater, still in 401, she and I came up with this Celine Dion. Uh, yes! Which, oh my gosh, that duo is so good. Yeah, that's something I miss. Uh, we we uh, you know haven't performed that in a long time. But what was the last? I remember I've seen it once. I I can't even remember the last time we performed because she's been in D.C. for a while and. Um, uh, but that was just like slam poetry, improv, so very fun. And then like we got, we ended up opening for like a 10 o'clock show before That's I was ever, and that was so fun. Uh, and it made me feel really jazzed about improv. And then there were auditions directly after the end of my 401 class. Right. Was that, was the opener that you did with her, was that like your first show? That was that my first show. That was not a, uh, a, yeah, class showcase before the end of my 401. That's so good. It was felt very exciting because there were no indie teams at the time. Yeah. Like, that was not a thing. So this felt very cool to like be on the stage doing a thing that was like my idea with someone else. Yes. And so that was fun. And that became like a thing we did on and off for a couple years. And then um, after my 401 class, there was a run of auditions. In that series of auditions, a couple teams were made. And some people were like put on existing teams. Um, the The... the cavalcade of teams at the time and there was like i can think of like five different names who so were. the ones that were created out of that uh audition were clap saddle and ambassador and da vinci dollar machine pigeon? the johnsons and pigeon were the pre-existing teams uh and i um was very much pursued by Patrick Gantz, which was, he was like, I got to get you on my team, the John, or no. Well, he didn't really tell me that. He would just like saw me at my class show and uh, basically uh, 
at Saison Market was very much like he was like flirting with me the whole night. <laughs> I was like, wow, this guy, this guy is, he was just like asking me all these questions. And then, uh, I ended up on being brought onto the Johnson's, um, uh, pre-existing team. And that, that was all due to Patrick and, uh, his, uh, his courtship of me to bring me onto his, uh, his team, the Johnson's. And that was, uh, awesome. It felt great. It was, uh, very cool to, to be a part of this pre-existing thing, but it felt very weird to join a pre-existing thing. This group of people, like, Who's this guy? you know, it was like, um, you know, it was like Sean Hambright, Scott, Lauren, John, Sean. I said Sean twice. Jesse, Scott, Jesse was not a part of the team yet. Oh, okay. Uh, like Townsend Hart. I don't know if you know her. I've never met Townsend. Um, but she was a big part of it at that time. Mm-hmm. Garrett Collins, who's now back around the theater occasionally. Was John in the, at that time? Uh, John was. I said, I did say John, I think, back then. John, Shauna, they all, they all I said Sean twice. I said John once, so my apologies, John, that I did not <laughs> say your name twice. Uh, but uh, Joe and Jesse were uh, some additions in a later audition run. Oh, okay. Um, and when we had, like, uh, lost some team members. But I've been on the Johnson since 2000. 14. It is 2018, according to my watch. Yeah, so, yeah, that's right. Four years uh, that I've been playing with that team. And it's been one of the most amazing experiences of my life. You know, just to be a part of this group of people where literally, like, a sports team, we're doing the reps, Patrick Gantz, literally a, a coach, where we're, like, in his basement every week practicing. Uh, he's bringing us back to bases. He's like, well, I've seen your show, and this is something we got to work on. Yeah. Bring us back to, like rubric kind of group game oh stuff God. you know we're real inside the the sport of improv here you know well what's um, really funny is like when i look at teams that i'm associated with with like past teams the johnsons is the is the team that i i draw the most with scott was my coach for my house team uh i've taken a class with jesse i did a class with you i did a class with gantz like I've done a lot of stuff with Sean. I'm doing another thing. Like just like all these different connections sure. with all the people on that team, I feel very close. And also, like I realized I'm TAing Lauren's class right now, who's also a member of the Johnsons. Oh yeah, and yeah. I'm like I'll say things, and, and she'll be like, "Oh, that's a Gantz thing." Yeah. And I'm like I thought it was a Scott thing or whatever. But like uh, most of my like improv, anything that I have to say about improv has probably been said and regurgitated to me through like three or four different people uh against thing sure i mean yeah definitely it was a sense of uh uh understanding this this uh style of playing like pattern work within improv and how do we like that's the kind of team that we are that's the way that we play what does that look like and how do we get better at it and just literally like doing the reps for those uh years and weeks and over and over spending time in that basement um you know, we didn't always hang out uh, outside of as much as like some other teams, but we put in the work, and I think uh, we would do a lot of really fun stuff like um, festivals. Uh, we're always like a blast to like get out of town and perform with this team, and you see some weird stuff uh, at festivals and get experience some really weird fun shows. Uh, and I can't wait to hear about them at the live show. Yeah, I know. I was like, I don't want, I don't want to divulge everything, but at least for me, you know. That 301 class, that 301 class is all about patterns and games, and it like fucked me up. I was, I didn't, I didn't think I could do improv after that. But then, that's a hard one. A hard when class. I when I joined the Johnsons, like that's the focus of what Patrick wants, how he wants us to play as an improv team. And so, being inside that environment where 
this is a uh, a play style, a expression kind of drilled into me. I was always a character performer with like a yeah. emotion and character, and uh, it actually made my ability to perform as a character better because now I approach it with this idea of how can I heighten, how do I build, what's yeah. the next step. I, I I think I thought that way before in a sense, but I didn't know how to apply it mm-hmm. to the. Um, the medium, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. how do how do I express this in this way, you know? And uh, it's definitely made me a better, it's made me a better writer as well as yeah, a performer yeah. uh, and a better thinker in some ways uh, to just like dig deep into that pattern world. And, and what I always find funny is there's always, whether it's real or just sit, talked about, like there's always this difference between... Uh, Characters or patterns, characters or patterns, kind of yeah, thing. It's a it's weird like one or the other. And the fact that like I see, I see so many people on that team who uh, play or who maybe before or by default I would say like that's a two hundred one. It's a character kind of player. Mm-hmm. But then you're on this team that is a three hundred one. The three hundred one team with. I mean, in many ways, that's Patrick Gantz uh, doing what he does best, which is just like put people together and um, you know build your skill to be to perform well, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of the members of trash bang are, uh, are Johnson's, you know, at least three of us, um, yeah. uh, Sean, Joe and I, and I think, you know, we, we bring some of that and you know, we, we've just used to playing that's that way together. And I think we bring some of that communication to the team. Well, I think, um, one of my favorite things specific about like detective was, uh, cause you know, Scott was a coach, member of the Johnson's and I feel like, uh, like if if the John and this is this I don't I don't mean to be self indulgent here the play styles of the people on Detective are very similar to those maybe with us being newer um, like to those to those that you would want on the Johnson's kind sure. of team we 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 focus a lot on those group games kind of thing but we still definitely do other things but like I feel like that's I've always felt like we're like the Johnson's junior. We're like the, the like, <laughs> this is what we, like a lot of us like look to that team specifically because of the way that Patrick Gantz like does, does a shit. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not a bad, not a bad place to look. Cause it's like that, uh, if you're going to be making up stuff on the spot, you might as well approach it with some sort of, uh, idea of what that structure can be and how you'll, you know, explore it in your brain and, and manifest it on the stage, you know? And I think the pattern curriculum that Patrick develops uh, on his own time. Yeah, is the whole website. I don't think his website. I, I never have done that. I realized. Go that. hit up hit up Patrick's website. Let's Improv plug does Improv Does Best. I have to throw that in my defaults now. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, it's insane. Just like the amount of information he puts up there for free, for free, for free, and in his own time. Um, just it's very inspiring. Clearly, yeah, he's he's a man, uh, a clear, a real workhorse. Absolutely. Um, switching gears again. Uh, let's see. What kind of what kind of shampoo do you use? Um, you know, uh, I'm not really sure what I use right now. It's just whatever I can buy. Um, this looks cool. Buy it. Whatever's cheap, honestly. Absolutely. It's like if I can. Right now, I'm using a, uh, I think a, a Garnier. Shampoo Ooh. that I got in Manager Special at Kroger, so Fancy. that was my real motivation. Look how cheap this is, and how yeah. much of it I can get. That's why I use. That's why I'm currently using an Aussie brand because it was like a big. Sure. It has a pump too. I like the pump. Yeah, I don't like the like open and squeeze kind of thing. I don't I'll know. Tie the shampoo. 
Have some shampoo. <laughs> says that every time you pump it. Have some, have some, I have put some. another shampoo a on the handy. A dollop. A little dollop of shampoo. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I feel like um, I always, whenever I have an improviser on the show, we always talk a lot about improv. And when, when have you had, had an improviser on the show? You're the first. Oh, okay. Right? I don't mean to... Interesting. Branching out. I don't mean to put the pressure on you, but yeah, I waited until episode 63 to, to bring on an improviser. It just felt right. Um, Good for you. One, th- <laughs> one thing I always try to make sure that I touch on or at least acknowledge is that like you're more than just an improviser because we, we did touch on it with like different like sketch writing, but also I would, I would even give you the credit of you're more than just like comedy. Like you do create more. And sometimes I will say that I have, um, over endowed my guests mm-hmm. and I'm like surely you do more and they're like nope and I'm like alright just improv cool I had no idea I thought not for sure but I know for a fact that you were a musician true yes uh, and I don't know and, th- and that's one of the things I hope to guess to learn about you and other guests is just like what else do I not know about do you um, paint do you do well, it's interesting uh, if I can reference a another first creative moment. Oh, please! Um, I love first creative moments. For uh, when I was like five years old to when I was like twelve, I kept this composition book of all things that I drew in, and I would draw on lots of and like a bunch of different sketchbooks. And I used to like for a long time. I thought I would be like an illustrator. I thought, or I thought I would be like draw a comic strip. And I would be like, you know, uh, um, um, what's his name? Like a Bill Watterson or something doing my own Calvin and Hobbes or like a mm. Bill Amend. I had a weird foxtrot phase where that was like the, that was the style I was mimicking. So I guess mimicry has always been like a weird thing that I've done, whether it's voices or art styles. When I was a kid, I would just like freehand draw uh, similar images, but like of my family as like com, uh, comic strip characters, you know, that's so cool. Uh, but well, I guess what I originally intended to say was like from when I was five to when I was like probably about 12 in this composition notebook, I would draw this series of like sequential pages of an ocean, uh, of an ocean scene with like all these animals, uh, oceanic creatures, mostly, you know, a lot of fish starting out, um, but you know, each page as you turned it, you would be moving, uh, you know, in this towards the, the, uh, right side of the page through the ocean, you know? And so the next page was like the next area of this, the ocean Whoa. floor. And, uh, that's really, first of all, really advanced for a five to 12 year old, but also just a really cool concept in general. Just like if you took all those pages out and they were able to separate them, you could just like, well, yeah, you could play. Yeah. You could put it on the wall. And, uh, and it's interesting because I didn't journal much as a kid, but if I look back at that notebook, I, you know, would insert all these weird details from my life into the world of these oceanic creatures. Cause they had like, you know, they had uh, auto dealerships. Uh, they had like when my family was looking for a new vehicle, I remember that's when I drew these auto dealerships that oh were gosh. run by these uh, these fish that sold ocean Fords and Hondas uh, <laughs> that were bubble powered. Bubble powered. There were like uh, you know I I had a lot of uh, a lot of restaurants and stuff that were just like chain restaurants that were um, um, like. Poor, really, the worst puns you could imagine. Oh, come on. Uh, well, I'm just trying to think of them. 
uh, because they were all really bad, but just like stretches that did not, didn't really work. Uh, what's one? Um, I can't remember. Like my Taco Bell one was literally just like a Taco Bell logo, codfish bell. It's like there's not even a creative. That's not a creative choice. That's. But, but you, I will say that I will give you credit for making a choice. Sure. Like it wasn't like a, I'll put Bell here and hope to, hope to think like fuck it. Kind well, there were some there because uh, there was a movie. There was one page uh, that was like a, a or one two page set inside this composition notebook that was a uh, a movie theater that I remember that I spelled theater wrong, uh, but. On the front of this movie theater were like four movie posters that as time went on from the first time I drew them around like age seven to 12, I would erase because it was all in pencil. You would, I would go back and erase. I would erase the movie posters and change them based on par- with underwater parodies of new movies that had come out. Oh, so uh, there was one that was like a, a Shrek parody that was shark. Uh, you know, like in the same font with like a big shark as the Shrek character. And I think there was like a seahorse's donkey. Um, please, please tell me you still have this. Notebook. I do. Yeah. I still have this notebook. There was like a planet of the apes. Uh, that was like planet of the crabs. Not a, not a cre- not a real creative. There was like, uh, this, this just tells you what time the last movies I wrote in there were, uh, what time of, of, uh, uh, in the past, because there was also a Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider, the movie had just come out, so it was like Ship Raider, oh, uh, just like underwater underwater ships that were invaded by this. I'm going to uh, when I did Sean's episode, I ended the episode literally squirming in my seat. I had to go to the bathroom so bad. PP. I'm gonna go to the bathroom now, but I'm not gonna pause it. Like it's gonna be kept in. Uh, okay. Would you mind indulging our listeners with more about this book? Um, I suppose. Or, or whatever you would like to. I oh, should need more than a minute. Um, thanks for listening in. You're listening to the producer's cast, uh, hosted by Jonathan Mustoe. Uh, that's Mustoe with a Y, not the director of Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, Jonathan Mustoe. Uh, it is Jonathan Mustoe. A uh, improviser and podcaster here in Richmond, Virginia. We're sponsored by uh, Mass Landing Brewing Company, bringing you Little Choppy, a hoppy session ale for enjoying by uh, any sort of waterway which you may wish to swim within. Uh, 4.3 alcohol by volume. It's a perfect beer for that day by the beach. Uh, enjoy the sun, enjoy the beer. Little Choppies, tip top, get that poppy. Uh, so I'm still here, uh, all alone on Jonathan's podcast, but we share the same name. So who knows? Maybe our voices are so similar that uh, you'll have no clue what's happening throughout the entire podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, so that notebook of mine, illustrations of the ocean. I just want to uh, say I love that you brought a uh, Masto reference because <clears throat> growing up with a name that is literally sure. one letter different from that guy, uh, it's really funny watching because <clears throat> of course I've googled myself. Yes, yes. And it's always like, "Did you mean?" And I don't know if it still does. I don't want to like mess up with the recording. I don't know if it asks me, "Did you mean anymore?" Because like whatever garbage I've done on the internet, like I feel like it's enough to be like, "You don't mean that." Like if you meant that, you would have typed that. Did you mean that in Spanish? You wanted Jonathan Masto and Actually, someone else. I'm going to I'm going to look it up because I feel like I uh, 
very much want to know if that's even true or not, because I don't actually Google myself that much. Well, yeah, but all I know is that he was the director of uh, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. It does not ask if I meant Jonathan Mistow. Oh, good for you. You're. I feel, uh, like, I feel like I'm making it in the world. You are, you, you've done it. Let's see. Uh, producers cast, producers cast, LinkedIn, YouTube. Okay, perfect. Look at you. You're right there at the top, at the top of Google results. But to be fair, uh, it's also you searching. So that's true. Their search results are going to be optimized to whatever you've done before. So are you going to do it? Uh, no, honestly, I probably can't because I don't have uh, access to the internet. So oh, I need to give you access to my Wi-Fi. I'd Let's try an incognito tab real quick. Yeah, do that. Yeah, let uh, erase all of Google's facts about you. Nope, still got it. Still got. The- Good to hear. Look at that. You're you're popping at the top, just like little choppy's tip top. Poppy. <laughs> I will say that uh, the first picture is is of uh, that Nick Swartzen movie. Oh, because I like the post on LinkedIn. Okay. What Nick Swartzen movie? Not Nick Swartzen. I'm sorry. Uh, Nick Offerman. I was going to say, uh, what are you talking about? Like, what that, that movie where he was like a porn star? Uh, yeah, Nick Swartzen had one starring role. Oh, what was it? In a film that made no money. <laughs> and, Grandma's Boy? Uh, no, no. That was like Johnny was, Knoxville or something. No, no. He was in... Yeah, but he wasn't the star. So oh. there was one movie he made where he was the star. And it was like Bucky Larson. That's what it was. Something like that. Bucky Larson porn star or some shit. And uh, I've never seen it. And I don't plan to. So, sorry, Nick. Sorry, Nick. Uh, I keep Bucky wanting... Larson, born to be a star. All right, yeah. 3.3 out of 10 on IMDb and 9% on Metacritic. So this has uh, been a portion of the producers cast where we talk about the producers uh, of great films, uh, including Mel Brooks, the uh, director and producer of The Producers. What what was that about? Um, So honestly, I've never seen any version of The Producers other than uh, a season of Curb Your Enthusiasm where Larry David is uh, is. Uh, invited to be a part of the show by Mel Brooks. And uh, it's, I've never seen the actual show, but it's about uh, two, I think it's like, they're two playwrights originally played by Gene Wilder and I can't remember the other guy. Um, But they, they try to, the idea is that they want, they're writing a flop. They're writing a play so bad uh, that they somehow make money off it. I can't remember what their original plan is. That it, like they're they, they get the insurance money on the play or something like that. What the fuck? I don't even remember. But the the what happens is they write this play that everybody loves. Their flop ends up being a hit. Oh, interesting. And so then they have to respond to uh, this play they wrote that was intentionally offensive. Uh, they didn't want this to like represent them or something. Well, it's like something. It's all you know. It's like all about. Uh, uh, it's very like tongue in cheek, like uh, like Hitler sings a song in it or something, what? you know. But it's like you know, Mel Brooks writes a lot of, does a lot of that kind of comedy, sure. Where uh, you know, from his perspective uh, as a Jewish person, you know, he's commenting on the horrors of that time uh, through comedy, you know, and the way we com- we the way we talk about it. Because the whole point in the producers is that they wrote this intentionally because they thought it would fail, but people somehow love this play that they intentionally meant to. Hmm. To, uh, to to fail. I remember when I first picked the name, I didn't think at all about like marketability. And then when I did all the stuff to like pick the link and make all this stuff, and then like 
I think my first Google search was after episode two of like, what happens if I search this on podcast app or whatever? And it was like nothing. I think I'm still really, uh, last when, when I, when I got Spotify integration, which was like a month ago, I'm 23rd, uh, when you search the producers and none of the show 22 in front of me are, have anything to do the with the producers cast. Did you mean the producers original Broadway cast recording? Look it up now. Oh my gosh. The I thought I was listening to your podcast, but I was just listening to Nathan Lane. <laughs> 1967 comedy uh, music. Yeah, there's no there's no shot I ever get any... Because there's, there's a 2005 uh, remake. That's the one with Nathan Lane. Nathan yeah. Lane, Matthew Broderick, uh, Will Ferrell makes an appearance. I never saw that either, but uh, I still know about it. Ooh, maybe I can tell you who else is actually in it. That's right. Uh, so you're listening to the IMDb Report, a podcast where we talk about who's in what movie. Uh, we may not have seen the movies, but we sure will talk about them. The producers from 2005 stars uh, Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane as the titular characters, the producers. Uh, they get together to make a film that's so bad it flops. Also starring in the film are Will Ferrell. Uh, possibly Uma Thurman. It's hard to remember uh, because I've never seen the movie. <laughs> I will say, uh, update, I'm eighth on Google search. When you search, when you, when you search the producer's podcast. There you go. I'm fucked with my name. This name is terrible. No, this is not bad. I'm just making fun of it because I think it's funny. No, to, uh, I, lo- I love that you came with that. Like, uh, I love that you came with a little choppy, uh, hoppy session ale, 4.3. APV. I love that you you came with the the idea of the Mel Brooks uh, uh, movie. <laughs> right into the mic there. I hope everyone heard that. <laughs> oh, they did. Enjoy. Uh, one of my favorite one of my favorite things of feedback was uh, Taylor O'Sullivan's episode. Um, he the first thing he did when he got there was peed, and I guess I caught all of it and uh, put it in and released it. Mm-hmm. And that's like the I got like eight people the the week his episode was out of just like. I love that part with Taylor peeing at the beginning, and I'm just like, perfect. So they definitely got that. That's good to hear. Little insight. Um, I, are you running late for? Uh, no, anything? no, I'm good. Uh, I want to know how you're feeling. How do you feel? Uh, you know, I feel fine. It doesn't feel like we've really been talking for that long, but I'm sure it's been over an hour at this point. It's been an hour and about fifteen ish. Yeah, I mean, I can keep talking if uh, you're into it. I'm. I'm I still have like half a beer, so yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm also about half. We could probably we could probably go another twenty ish. Yeah, I'm into it. So what I want to know is uh, is this about so far like what you expected? Uh, yeah, I guess I don't know. I don't know. I, in, in many ways, yeah, we talked a lot about we like a lot about improv it. and um, you know the coalition and um, you know you asked the questions that you seem to have asked on the other <laughs> podcasts I've listened to. So is uh, there anything that you uh, wanted to talk about? Because uh, I think about this a lot more so because Sean brought notes and I still have them, those index cards there and, uh, of things he wanted to talk about. And I thought it was really cool cause I never would have asked about certain things that he sure. wrote down. So that's why I like to always throw this question in towards the end where it's just like, what don't I know to even ask about? What, what's something that maybe you're like, this would go well, but I don't want to necessarily just throw it out there. Like, this is that moment. Like, let me, let me know what it is. Like what, what if something is there something that uh that would really be like i would be like oh shit really you got mugged 
twice um, or whatever. Sean fucking... I think he got mugged twice. Oh, yeah. I'll just use Sean's notes. Let's just use Sean's notes. Let me just tell you about whatever he had and from my own perspective. Uh, <laughs> he wrote... Before and after improv, and don't waste your time. I don't know what that means. But he didn't write anything about mugging on here. Seems like that was an organic pull. <laughs> right from right from the old conversation. Trash Bang, award-winning 24-hour sketch fest. Yeah, we did that. We talked about that. Yeah. I just, I love that. Uh, oh, no. So he wrote Trash Bang, history, video, city versus country, movies and TV, and hold up, which is where I guess he got hold up. Uh-huh. Um I love that that was one of the six things. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. One of my favorite things is always, I love being surprised, especially by the people that I bring in, because another another thing I say a lot is, like, this is your hour, hour plus. Like, what do you want to do with it? Because, like, I realize that people kind of have have their episode, like, that's my episode. So, like, I want to make it as good for you as possible. So, like, sure. I've done, I've done enough prefacing. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. Honestly, uh, I, uh, I was just prepared for a conversation. Yeah. Don't really know... I guess, um, you know, if you're looking for more uh, horrific stories like <laughs> muggings, I could try to look into my in my in, uh, internal database to find uh, horrifying I mean, stories of traumatic experiences. I mean this as politely as possible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I remember you told me something about a movie that you made. Okay, yeah. So that's a weird. That's a weird story. It's I can weird, talk about that. Yeah. Okay. okay yeah. Yeah. I can I like that talk. is that is that is prime material. Cause I remember. I remember hearing about it, and I remember really loving that story. So I feel like. I, yeah, I talked some about this. Uh, uh, what was I thinking? Um, but I definitely did not go into it in very much detail. But when I was nineteen, um, you know, for many years I had wanted to. I thought I, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to like make movies. That was what I wanted to do. Because we have kind of a grasp of you in in your youth with with the book and different like yeah, some creativity. We we, we didn't go too much into the acting bug, but I'm assuming that from your that never really happened. Though. You never really did more of that. No. So I was homeschooled, okay. which I guess uh, you know there's an interesting tidbit right there. There you go. And in my experience of homeschooling, I was not. It was I was very much raised in a bubble. Not a lot of uh, chances to perform. Mm-hmm. I did do some like sh- church plays, more like church play kind of stuff growing up, and I always loved that. Yeah. Um, and I had mm-hmm. some friends who would make uh, like these movies, and they were always you know like ridiculous and bad uh, <laughs> in their own way, just as a, any teenage made film on a digital video camera would be. Uh, but one of those friends uh, was. You know, I was very close to, uh, and I grew up in Virginia Beach, but they like lived in that area, this friend, and I lived in Richmond at the time. I was like 19, and I wanted to, uh, well, my I, I had a couple of motives. So I wanted to find an opportunity to be creative and to actually just like write something, see if I could make a movie, see what could happen, you know, see if, see if it was possible to like write a script um, and make it work. And at the same time, I had made some visits to like Hampton Roads and there was this girl I was interested in and she had, she was like close with this friend who I was going to write the movie with. And, uh, I was very interested in her and she was clearly very interested in me, but, uh, I was very, uh, oblivious. I like, I, I never can tell that sort of thing, you know, sure, I can sure. never tell until, yeah, yeah, yeah. until it's like too late, but, uh, You're on the right, chef. but, she so she even she we had like hung out 
a couple months before the summer of like 2019 uh, when I uh, made this movie and she was, um, we'd hung out and hung out with those other friends and we'd had like a really fun time and ended up like drawing together at the end of this hangout. And she was very apparently pressed with my, the, the drawing I did and, um, send me this letter filled with her own drawings, all these ramblings. And I was still like, Hmm, I'm not sure if she likes me. Uh, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I was like, oh, well, here's the thing. I know how I can prove it. If I write this movie and I write a role for her to be the leading, uh, uh, the leading gal and I'm the leading guy. Uh, she'll, she'll act in it with me cause she'd done some acting. She's been in some cool plays and stuff. And I was like, this will be the way for me to really get to know her because I was like, I don't know how to spend time with somebody who lives in uh, like Hampton roads while I live in Richmond, you know, because I, I didn't, I didn't want to drive. I wasn't going to do that, do that old drive thing if I didn't have to. But so me and this friend were like, let's, I, I called him up. I didn't really tell him my ulterior motives, but I was like, let's write a movie because I legitimately wanted to do that as well. Sure. I was like, I connect, we connect. Uh, we both want to do this kind of stuff. Let's write a movie together. So we set off a week in July where we were going to do this and we got together and that July we spent like half of the time in Hampton roads, uh, just the whole week writing, spending our days writing. We would take breaks and snack and play video games and like talk about our ideas. But from the beginning, the first like night, the beginning of our, our seven day week, uh, we were, we came up with an original idea, which was this idea that, uh, um, we would follow a postmortem photographer who is returning to his family's hometown, uh, where, uh, his grandfather has just died and he's taking over his grand. Well, so he's taking over his grandfather's postmortem photography business. Mm-hmm. He's a photographer and, you know, postmortem photography for those who don't know is, uh, an antiquated thing that really doesn't exist anymore. Uh, of pictures of the dead, you know, after someone passes and, you know, like the, the, the beginning of photography, you know, you didn't really have any other memory of somebody other than these postmortem photographs you might get. And you can still find a lot of those online. They can be pretty creepy, but the idea was for us to like infuse this weird element into like, uh, whatever film we were making with like elements of comedy. But, you know, we were in, we were, you know, we were just like kids, you know, we were inspired by, uh, like our favorite directors were like Wes Anderson and like the Coen brothers. And we were like, we can make a dramatic movie. That's also funny with dark elements. And that was our idea. We're like this, uh, this idea. So we ended up for that week writing this movie about this postmortem or this photographer who comes to take over his grandfather's postmortem photography business. And then the people in the town think he's killing for profit. Oh fuck. So that's the movie that we wrote. I'm and- hooked. And it was like 45 minutes long. We didn't write like a feature length, but sure. we were just like, we're going to spend the week. What we write is what we get. Yeah. And we planned it out. You know, we like worked on first developing the story, the characters, and um, we would just like sit with a laptop and like record what we were talking about and then like sit. And once we got our, our outline and everything, we like uh, worked individually on different scenes and, and put together our script, uh, writing half of it there and half of it here in Richmond. And then... Um, we did some like alterations to it. And after two weeks we came back and we just shot them, the, the movie, um, half of it in shot in Richmond, half of it shot in, uh, the Hampton roads area. And 
lo and behold, I was able to get that girl I was interested in to play the uh, the lead female role. Please and tell me you remember the name. Yes, I do. I just feel weird saying it. Oh, no, no, no. I don't mean her name. I mean the character's name. Oh, the character's name. Yeah, you don't um, have to say her real name. So, oh, well, let me just tell you. <laughs> let me tell you the character names. Wait, wait, what's the um, name of the, what's the, what was the, the name, name of the, the main thing? character played by me? Because I was also like, I wanted a chance to act. So sure. I got I to gotta write myself into this movie. Yeah. So we co-wrote this movie, and I played the main role, uh, a character named Abel Killingsworth. <laughs> Uh, and the so movie good. was called Killingsworth. Oh, that's a good title. Um, yeah, we thought so. But, you know, I, there's still a part of me that, like, half cringes and half is like, I still am kind of into it. I'm, I'm, I feel it. like I'm on that I'm page where I'm just like, I like it. It's funny, but I love it. Like, I'm, I'm, I would, I'm here for more. Um, I'm trying to, Evie, uh, like, Evelyn was the girl's name. Evie. And she was called Evie. Um, that's, a, that's a good name. Yeah. Honestly, it was inspired by uh, a crush I had on someone in my driver's ed class. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so I, I pulled that name uh, and named this other girl I had a crush on. <laughs> There's somebody. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's right. That's what you do. And so, I, I feel like I am I'm 100% on the same page as you. Yeah, right? like yeah. So this this, uh, this, this girl uh, played ended up playing this character for a week. We spent the week uh, shooting all of our scenes. We, like, planned it out. And we co-directed, um, and I was like the main role. And we got friends and family to um, portray the different characters. Like a lot of dead bodies being posed with like slapstick comedy, where it's like, oh no, we're trying to this couple, this old couple died together, but they're getting a postmortem photograph, and we can't get their arms to stay around each other because rigor mortis <laughs> has set in, and like they're we're trying to hold their eyes down, but their eyes keep popping open to reveal their. Uh, it was just like really morbid slapstick in some yeah. parts with other bits of drama where it's like uh, this char- this main character is trying to realize he doesn't have to retrace the steps of his like granddad to be a, to be successful. You know, he doesn't have to revive this business and live in this town just because his family did, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's like the, the whole point of the story. It turns out he doesn't kill uh, anybody, but the town like, turns against him. And there were a bunch of weird characters in the story. Uh, but we spent that week filming it. And over the course of that week, me and this girl hung out, uh, the whole time together. And we just like, um, you know, I, I was very religious at the time. Mm -hmm. And I believed that, um, you know, anybody that I, uh, if I was interested in somebody and I had this, these feelings and I pursued them and we became an item that that would mean we were going to be together forever. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like we were meant to be, and there were all these little moments over the course of this week of us filming this movie. It was a heightened experience, of course. You know, sure, yeah. we're 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 doing this together, and I kept thinking all these little moments were God saying we're meant to be together. I was so naive. I was so very naive. Just but that's like, so sweet. I, I love know, that. but that's an experience is a story. We were da- we we ended up directly at the end of our time filming together. We had like you know fallen in love and. We, uh, um, our last scene that we filmed, uh, this is like, this is a very embarrassing part of the story that I almost don't want to reveal, but, um, well, you don't feel like you have to, no, 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 it's just, it's just so, it's just the, like, so I had never, I had never experienced any, uh, any real physicality with a woman. I was very conservative homeschooled kid. Uh, never had any like physical experiences with women. So she was like the first person I ever like made out with. 
and that was uh, that was a big deal. And I was like, okay, she's going to be my wife, so that's cool. It's okay. Uh, we had all these mo- we had this weird moment where our friend was playing the piano. That means God wants us to be together. We were we we sat the first time I told her I liked her. We were like looking out over the lake behind my friend's house, oh. and then. Uh, walked to like kiss on this pontoon boat together. And as soon as we got on the pontoon boat, it started raining and we were covered and it was like this romantic moment. I was like, clearly God wants us to be together. All this thunder and lightning starts. It's really uh, a powerful moment. And I was like, this is meant to be. Uh, that does look like a really nice thing. It was, yeah, it was very, it felt very romantic. Yeah, uh, and the whole really week, nice. like I said, it had been very heightened. Really I was very, romantic. I was, I was primed to trust and believe oh, anything. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, we filmed our last scene, which was like at the top of a mountain in Charlottesville, uh, which was like a scene that we we had planned that we needed to get sort of as a pickup shot after everything else. And we went out there and we stayed the night on this mountain. And while we were on the mountain, we just like slept on sleeping bags in the open air without a tent. And uh, this is the most embarrassing part about this whole thing is that like we were all sharing the same sleeping bag that had been laid out with another sleeping bag laid on top. And I had no real idea that, uh, uh, how do I put this? I didn't realize that, um, women could be as sexually motivated as a man could be. Sure. So this, uh, girlfriend of mine at the time became very frisky, uh, in the middle of this sleeping area with all my friends and one of my sisters like laying there. And so she was like on top of me and we're like making out. In the middle of nowhere, my sister's right next to me on this mountain, and I'm just like, I was homeschooled. <laughs> What's happening to me? And it's not like it was something I was very into, but was also like it's a new experience. How it in, in the middle of in the middle of next to that? surrounded by friends and family, oh I had God. my my first experience of a woman mounting me. Mounting. Um, so I love the word mounting. That was a that was as a nineteen year old uh, a repressed child. That was uh, quite an experience. We dated for like a month, and then I left to go to a weird Christian school, and she broke up with me right before. Oof! And I was like, I had I was so convinced that this is the person I'm going to marry. Yeah, we're going to be together forever. I've had a thought like that. Um, I saw that one of the reasons why the show started is because I had that same thought. Yeah, you married the podcast. I, yeah, I thought I was going to marry a woman, and I married a podcast. We all have that feeling. We've all been there. How did the How did the movie turn out? Well, it's, so there was never a finished edit of it. Um, oh. My friend, uh, who I wrote it with, we co-directed the film. He was he took as I went off to school. He took on the shoulders of the editing, uh, or he took the editing onto his shoulders, if I can say that sure. in a less George W. Bush way. Um, <laughs> He he was took on the way to that, and I wrote music for it too. I I wrote I like wrote a couple pieces of music that were supposed to score it, and we were like trying to do this all together, just like do whatever creative thing we could. And um, I, I'm pretty sure the final edit of the movie that he was working on was lost on a hard drive that died. So, um, there were some trailers online at some point, but they were all distributed by my friend whom doesn't have much of a social media presence. I don't really either, but 
I could never tell you where to find the trailers for Killingsworth. If anybody finds those, please. you know, if they show up, I'll, I'll send them your way. They're, oh my uh, gosh, they there were some sounds so amazing. I love the idea of making. I wish I had done more with making movies as, as a youth. <laughs> so do I. I wish I had done it more often too. I'm so sub. You know, I guess I just needed the motivation of a uh, <laughs> fine young woman. Uh, yes. Uh, the the thing that motivates many creative endeavors by many people, which is uh, an interest in the opposite sex, as evolutionary, you know. Absolutely. It's just it's just that sense of we're just animals trying to do our thing, and sometimes that means we make a movie. <laughs> that is, I uh, I don't know if I've heard the full version of that story, but I heard most of it before. And hearing it now, I'm just like. Oh, that's so pure and so real. I can it was, relate to that on so many levels. Um, you know, one of the most rewarding collaborative experiences I've had in my life, despite the heartbreak that I experienced at the end of that month of dating um, this woman, I was very... Uh, it was an amazing creative experience. Writing the, the film with my friends, we were so on the same page. Yeah. Um, we just... We tried to write something else after that, but it kind of fell through just because we live in different places and we're very busy. But even beyond that, we always, uh, he's con- just was continually like a friend of mine who like, had a similar mindset, you know, we had the same perspective and, yeah, um, that's, that's one of those things we talked about earlier with like, with the whole trash man thing, which right. is like one of those moments where like you are with somebody and you're collaborating and everything right. is going well, you have the same idea and, the and it feels cool. pure and it feels like the most amazing thing you've ever been a part of. Cause in the moment you're like, Wow, this is human connection. This is community uh, creating. We all want to, um, you know, to find that sense of purpose. And in many ways, like for those of us who have like uh, an intense creative drive, or if that's like something you've always wanted to do, if you find an outlet where like you can directly connect with somebody who has a similar vision, it can feel, you know, like the best thing in the world. And for me at that time, at at nineteen especially, that was like it was awesome just to have somebody who. Uh, to, to like validate my feelings of like, this is stuff I want to do. Is it possible? Uh, yes, it is. You know, it's like possible to, to connect to people and, um, put together something that I want, but it's hard. You know, I, I haven't really had the confidence to do something similar ever since then. Make a movie. That sounds so big. And it I'm really, like, I'm, I'm very impressed that you even, it was 45 think, minutes long. So still, and we never released it. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want that to take away from the fact that you're like, let's write a movie. I still have the scripts. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I still have, the, you scripts still have the script. Well, I think that means one of two things. Either we need <laughs> to do that as a show or we need to remake this movie. Well, that's been, that's, uh, someone joked about that when I did the, uh, what was I thinking that we that could be like a we Friday. Could, we could put up, put up the movie. But I don't know. I don't know. I would have to ask my friend to uh, my friend Matt, who co-wrote the script with me. I think before something like that. But that I, could be fun. It's it's very you know written by a nineteen and eighteen year old uh, male uh, trying to be uh, Wes Anderson or or uh, the Coen brothers. You know that's what we were going for. So who knows? Who knows if it if it holds up in any sense? There are still lots of parts of it that I. The last time I read it, which was maybe a couple of years ago, that felt fun and I um, that I still liked. Well, I, if if this episode <laughs> does anything, I would really like it to to give you at least a chance to re-explore that and and let me know what you think about that because I feel like um, the fact that you still have it kind of is like a it's a sign. It means we have to do something with it. Yeah, it would be, be very nice. fun to do something with it for sure. It would be fun to resurrect uh, for. Uh, uh, poor use of a pun. This film about 
post-mortem photography. Because I feel like enough people knew about it before, and now at least 40 more people are going to know about it. <laughs> so, like, I feel like this is uh, this is as good a time as any to say, like, is there something you actually want to yeah, do? Yeah, well, if, any, if, if it's not just my parents who know about this uh, <laughs> failed attempt to make a movie, then, you know, I wouldn't even say failed. Yeah, you didn't release it, but you still, you we filmed did, it. We did, we did. We wrote a movie. Wrote and filmed. That's we, two I can't call steps. it film because it was a mini TV camera <laughs> that we had. Our boom mic was a, like... Uh, a microphone that had like an auxiliary cable on it that we plugged into the DV with like a piece of a PVC pipe uh, to really su- support the uh, the cord itself so we could like hold it out. And it didn't always get great audio, but, you know, a lot of our other actors, even playing old people in the movie, were like, you know, usually uh, family uh, or friends that were also teenagers. So it looks like a movie made by teens. Though her parents played, this girl's parents played the role of those two, uh, the couple I mentioned earlier with the, the arm, the rigor mortis arm and the, the eyes that wouldn't stay closed. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of, that was fun, like just writing, being able to make silly slapstick comedy too is like, that was what always inspired me as a kid. So it was, it's fun to like whatever you can do, stupid physical stuff and, and uh, inside another medium you know i will say that's one of the the cornerstones i feel like of your improv is uh, physical silly physical humor sure uh growing up like dick van dyke and um danny k like stan laurel when i was homeschooled especially like i didn't have any a lot of other outlets i just had like old vhs tapes that i would watch over and over of these uh people and that were very that was like who i wanted to be you know i wanted to be one of these old comedians that just like flopped their body around and did silly voices. So, and it, I'm very grateful to be in a place now where I get to do that with a lot of my time. <laughs> I get to flop my body around and do silly voices, and everyone loves uh, it. And yeah, it's it's. I'm very grateful to have that environment and that community. Well, we're know. so grateful to have you, Jonathan. Well, yeah, I appreciate. Uh, I know, I know, I speak yeah. for everybody when I say that, 100. percent Well, sure, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> Well, oh man, I'm so glad I got you to tell that story. That's such a great story. Um, how do you feel now? You still feel good? Oh, I feel like it's probably a good place to end, you know? Sure, yeah. I have to go to the bathroom again. Also, I have uh, an open mic to go to. Wow, all right. Yeah. I'm trying to get into stand-up. Do it, do it. Yeah, I've, uh, I took a stand-up class. Uh, I did that stand-up when I was uh, much younger. And you did the uh, the trolley stand-up, too. I have, yeah. I, ho- I helped to host and organize a uh, an event called Hop on Stand-Up, oh, which is... Uh, a brewery tour of the breweries in Richmond, Virginia. But in between each of three breweries, you will have uh, a one of three stand-up comics performing on the moving trolley. So that's a lot of fun. That's um, coming back, right? We have one this month, yeah. Um, oh, well, when is it? November 16th, it might be. I don't know. I have to look oh, at the so the day, the day this comes out in two days... Probably sold out because it's a big event. Um, um, yeah, who knows? You can look online. Uh, check it out. I recommend Hop on Stand Up. It's, it's, you know, a shit ton of fun. Just if you want to find an introduction to either the comedy, stand-up comedy scene or the brewery scene in Richmond, it's mm-hmm. a great way to get both of those. It's a really cool event for merging two and I would say even three things, which is like the the touring kind of thing. Sure. I mean, it's been something that Grace Mano and I uh, put together at the beginning of this year for 
uh, merging the, the, the tourism job that we have that involves like trolley tours and our comedy world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been a lot of fun to do, you know, cool to, I can't cool believe, to, I, can't believe I, didn't, cause I, remember, I can't believe I didn't know it was coming up. I wish I, I wish I would have known for the last episode or plugged it for sure. Oh yeah. We try to do at least one a month, but you know, we don't always, uh, it's, it's, it's hard, it it's always hard happen. to do yeah. things like that. It's organized. We'll go organized. check that out. It's in two days. If there's still tickets. No, it's not in two one. days. No, no. It's in two days oh. from when this episode comes out. I, you can't time travel like that with me. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a very sensitive, uh, chronologically. <laughs> All right, so all we need to, to end the episode is for however you want to say goodbye to everybody listening. Just uh, Thanks for listening to the Producers Cast uh, featuring the uh, wonderful music of Mel Brooks and sponsored by Mass Landing Brewing Company, bringing you Little Choppy, a hoppy session ale for those cold summer nights and the hot winter evenings inside bundled up waiting for santa to come while you get buzzed out of your fucking brain on little choppy 4.3 worker bowl thank you jonathan that's my sign off thank you jonathan Just let me be your ticket home.